today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. So Paul has learned, he knew it, he could relate because he was a Pharisee of Pharisees and so he probably had the greatest life at that time for man. But then when he came to Christ, he went through those times of shipwreck. He went through those times where he was naked and hungry. But he learned through Christ that he could be content because Jesus is all he needed. And to do the will of the Father by proclaiming the gospel to the Gentiles. That kept him going. That kept him with strength. Sharing the gospel message with others may very well cost us something. Pastor Eric shares today how our own efforts will need to be set aside to allow Jesus to work through us. When we allow this, however, we'll be open to reaching people beyond our personal borders, and we'll get to see hope and faith blossoming. Well, let's join Pastor Eric for part two of his message entitled, Help Wanted. God is a God of love. The Bible tells us that. And in 1 John 4, 9, and 10, it says, In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And in this love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God, not that we love him, but he loves us. And so God is a God of love, and his heart is to go and to share his love to this whole world. To the whole world. Don't question the love of God. Don't question the love of God towards the unexpected the outcasts, the enemies, the family members of your life. Don't question it, because here's the reality that God loves them. Even if you don't love them, although we are supposed to love them, even if you don't like them, remember always in your heart that God loves them. Pray that you have his eyes to see them, because he looks at them and he sees a child that is separated somebody who's lost, and he is going out there, he is in hot pursuit of their soul. You might not be, but God is. But instead of being on the sidelines and just keeping our hands on our face and in our laps, we should be cheering on the work of God. We need to be cheering on his work, being a part of it, being available for God to do whatever he wants to do, and seeing and having that desire for people to come to Christ. Do we have that heart? The disciples were amazed. They had that heart. They kept quiet. Continuing on in verses 28 through 30. Then the woman left the water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Now we see what the news does. What do you do with the news of Jesus Christ? Because this woman has had this conversation with Jesus, and Jesus has ministered to her. He has revealed to her, saying that, you know what, I want to give you living water, the water that you'll never thirst of ever again. And he tells her what she's done wrong by saying, when she said that I have no husband, he's like, yes, you speak truly. You've had five. Oh, okay. And the guy that you're with now, he's not your husband. Man, that's heavy. But Christ was doing it because he loved her. He wanted her to come to him and forget the things that were drawing her away from him. And so the woman here hears these things that Jesus has spoken to her. She leaves her water pot. And you're like, what's the big deal of the water pot? Well, the water pot was her responsibility. 
as a woman, she went out to the well, even though it was around 12 o'clock, she went out there and she was supposed to bring back water. That was her job, okay? She leaves it and she goes. Where is she going? She's going back into the city to go tell them about this man who has told her everything about her life. To tell the men of the city. She goes to the men of the city. The men of the city, you guys, probably be meaning the leadership of the city. Going to them and saying, here is a man out by the well who knows all things. You guys got to come out and check him out and listen to him. But remember our time frame that we're living in here, okay? The men were not going to be listening to a woman. Especially a woman, don't you think that they knew her reputation and her past? But yet, she didn't care. She went and she had to tell the men of the city about Jesus. Could this be the Christ? Could this be the one that we've heard of from our forefathers? Because remember, the Samaritans had the knowledge of, from Moses, but then when they were left behind from the Babylonians, when they came in to take, they were then introduced to all these other foreign gods. And so they had a buffet of belief. But yet they still had an ounce of truth. And Jesus knew that, and that's why he had to go there to present himself, because he wanted them to know the truth. And so she goes, could this be the Christ? Well, then it says that they went out. Who went out? Well, the men went out. They heard her testimony. They heard what she was saying, and they went out of the city and came to him. Man, she left her water pot. Big deal. Well, leave what you have to go tell about Jesus Christ. This woman wanted to proclaim the name of Jesus. And so then these questions to me, and whenever I tell you a question, I'm telling you because it was asked to me, and I'm just still thinking about it, okay? And I'm still learning and seeking the Lord, but what have you done with the news about Jesus being the Messiah? Have you made this news the top priority in your life? Have you forsaken all that is around you for Jesus Christ? You know, Jesus said this in Luke 14, if you guys want to turn there. Luke 14, verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down and first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. (laughs) So Jesus wraps up this whole conversation and says this in Luke 14.33. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Those words are not mine. That's in the word of God, you guys. 
And just thinking about that, you know, thinking of that true cost. Have we truly counted the cost of what it means to follow Jesus Christ? Have you counted the cost? Has the knowledge of Jesus driven you to tell others? Is Jesus that main priority? Is he the one who you are waking up every morning and saying, I'm living this life for you today. Whatever you have for me, that's what I want. Are you willing to go and leave what matters to you behind? Remember, the woman left her water pot. That was her thing. That was what she had to hold on to. Are you counting the cost to carry the cross? Are you counting the cost of claiming the cross? Carrying the cross, meaning Jesus says, pick up your cross daily, right? But then how many of us have our little crosses that are on our mirrors or around our shirts or even having the fellowship fish on your car, whatever it is? But are you counting the cost of claiming that cross? The woman counted the cost. She went, continuing on, verse 31 through 42. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Like, what do you mean he's not hungry? This is crazy. Verse 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Verse 37, for in this, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. Verse 38, I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days. Verse 41, and many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So after the woman left, the disciples pleaded with Jesus to eat. Because remember, you guys, when they came to the well, when they came into Samaria, that Jesus was wearied from his journey. Verse 6 of chapter 4. He was worn out. He was tired physically. But then, as they said, Rabbi, come on, teach. Teacher, eat something, please. Would you eat something? It's like your mom, right, when you go to her house. And they're like, just eat something. I mean, I'll be like, okay, you don't have to ask me twice, you know. It's a free meal, you know. I'm all about it. So, you know, I'll eat. But Jesus, you guys, tells his disciples, I have food to eat, food that you do not know. And so, again, like I mentioned, the disciples are like, who brought him food? 
But Jesus, knowing and hearing probably, says, My food is to do the will of the Father. My food is to do His work. So Jesus is saying His strength comes from who? God. And doing the Father's business. What is the Father's business? Well, it's to love the world. And to see that none should perish. That's God's business. is to build the kingdom of God. And Jesus' love and his commitment to fulfill the Father's will strengthened him to live. Does the will of our Father strengthen you to live? Is he your strength? The Apostle Paul understood this concept. Well, of course he did. He's Paul, man. He's the Apostle Paul. But he said this. He's also a man. But he said this. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So Paul has learned. He knew it. He could relate because he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And so he probably had the greatest life at that time for man. But then when he came to Christ, he went through those times of shipwreck. He went through those times where he was naked and hungry. But he learned through Christ that he could be content because Jesus is all he needed. And to do the will of the Father by proclaiming the gospel to the Gentiles. That kept him going. That kept him with strength. Physical substance supplies limited strength. Fulfilling the Father's will produces an unlimited strength. So then Jesus tells his disciples, he says, you guys say that the harvest is like four months away. He goes, yeah, you know, four months, the harvest. But I tell you, lift up your eyes and look. Because the fields are already whitened. The fields are already ready to go. Well, what does he mean? Well, he's meaning about people. He's not meaning about the actual crop. He's talking about the souls of man. And so then Jesus goes on. He tells the one who plants and the one who reaps will rejoice together because it's a team. We are a body. We are one with Christ Jesus. One person going is no greater than the other person sending, you know? We are in this together. And so we rejoice. We rejoice when there's reports of people giving their lives to Christ. When there's 1,600 people that profess in Honduras, we rejoice. Even if you didn't show up on the trip, that doesn't matter. You were a part of it. And so then Jesus gets personal with these disciples of his, and he says, I have sent you to reap what you have not planted. Going back to all the faithfulness of the prophets, all those who have come before the disciples, and now's the time, and Jesus looks to his disciples and says, I have called you. It's time for you now to go and enter into the labor that you didn't set forth you know, or begin. You guys can go. You guys bring in the harvest. And that's the same word that is for you and I today. I have sent you. To reap what you have not planted. That's pretty awesome. See, God has people ready. 
Do you believe that there are people ready and just waiting to hear? But how can they hear if a preacher is not sent? There are people who want to know and who will accept his love. And the seed has been planted. And maybe some of you have planted that seed. But maybe now it's time for you to go water somebody else's seed. Because here's the thing. The seed has been planted. Some have watered. Some have planted. But God brings the increase. They are ready for harvest. And if they're ready for harvest, what are we waiting for? I'm sure a farmer is not going to leave his crop out there. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's done. Let's do something else. That's his livelihood, man. You're not just going to let it go to waste. You're not going to let it fall to the ground and become dirt. And that's the heart that we should have when we go evangelize, when we share the gospel. Hey, the harvest is ready, man. we got to get to work. The help wanted sign is out. But we must be ready to go. See, Jesus said this. He who has sent you to reap. He says in Matthew 28, 19, we're familiar with this, right? Maybe not. So if not, we're going to read it. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. So we're not even by ourselves going out into this field. Christ is with us, and he's doing the work, actually. He's just using you and using your gifts and talents that he has given to you. It's all about God. It's all that he's done. We're just along for the ride. (laughs) Praise the name of Jesus for that. Even to the end of the age, amen. Matthew 28, 20. So again, you guys, some plant, some water, but remember who brings the increase, and that is God. Therefore, go and reap. Lift up your eyes and look to the fields. See the people, because they are ready for the picking. So what is the conclusion of that? Go! (laughs) Pretty simple. I'll keep it simple. So then the result, you guys, as we conclude here, verses 39 through 42, what is the result? Well, the woman that Jesus went into the field and saw her with the lenses of God versus the lenses of man, she looked up after receiving what Jesus had said to her. She looked up. She saw the fields before her, and she took off. She went and told the men. They came out. They believed in him. Then they lifted up their eyes, and they saw the field. And then they invited Jesus to come back with them to their city. And then Jesus stays with them for a couple days. And guess what? It says what in verse 41? And many more believed because of his word. They believed because of his word. So the words of Jesus causes people to believe. So you don't have to worry about what you're going to say because it's his word that changes the heart. It's Christ's words that saves. All we have to do is take it to them. Present his words, present his love, cheer him on, because Jesus is still doing the will of the Father today. He is just using you and me to do it. Praise the Lord for that. And you don't have to worry about your strength, because your strength, where does it come from, church? Your strength comes from the Lord. Maybe you're the one that Jesus is coming after. Maybe Jesus is talking to you, nudging your heart, saying, I desire you. I love you. You know, the Bible tells us this, you guys. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that verse mean? It means what? We've all screwed up. 
We've all missed the mark of God's glory. Then the Bible tells us this, for the wages of sin is death. And that death is not just physical death. It is a total separation from God. Like, away from him for eternity. So there's the problem man has. We sin, and there's the wage that we earn because of our sin is death. That's what you earn because of your sin. But here's the great news. The Bible also tells us, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life in who? In Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I would say that that is a God of love who loves you. He knows that you mess up, and he knows what you deserve, but he has a gift for you. He has a gift for you this morning. And that gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we've heard today that God loves. We've heard, you've probably heard that God loves your entire life, but do you really understand what that means? John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ, you guys, paid the penalty for your sin. God sent Jesus Christ to come to this world to live a sinless life and to take on our sin. So Jesus then took on the wages that we deserve, the wages that lead to death, But Jesus took it upon himself so that you could have eternal life. And Jesus didn't stay dead. But there's going to be celebrating of a resurrection. The big picture is that God raised Jesus from the dead. And now he's in heaven preparing a place for those who believe in his name. God has produced life. But here's the thing. But God's love has given you a choice. To accept the gift of God or to reject it. What do you mean he loves me to give me a choice? Well, yeah, he gave you a choice. If he didn't love you, he wouldn't tell you what to do. Not all of you are going to accept it. Not all of you have accepted it. But to accept it, this is what it means. This is what the Bible says. To accept God's gift, that if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So how do you accept God's gift? By confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you will be saved. What do you mean I don't have to do a bunch of works? No, just have faith in Christ and what he has done. Then God will bring the good works through Jesus Christ. To reject it and say, I don't want this, all you got to say is no. All you got to say is no. Keep moving on with your life. But to accept God's gift, all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says this, you guys, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is truth, because Jesus is truth. And so God has presented you his gift this morning. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to accept it, or are you going to reject it? You truly have to seek the Lord between you and God. To those who have accepted The gift of God, eternal life, count the cost of it. Make it your priority. Look up because the harvest is plentiful. Help is wanted. Are you going to fill that position? John 3.16, one of the most recognized verses in the Bible, reminds us that by believing in Jesus, God's only Son, we are set free from our sins and have gained eternity in heaven. 
God's love for us, His creation, caused Him to allow all the sin of the earth to be placed on the shoulders of His Son. Jesus then took the punishment for those sins, dying a painful death, just so that we wouldn't be separated from Him. Our prayer is that as Pastor Eric continues teaching through the book of John, you will grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus. If you've been touched by this series or you'd like to know more about Jesus, please give us a call at 520-723-7047. We'd love to share the freedom you can have with a personal relationship with Jesus. That number again is 520-723-7047. You can also connect with us by visiting our website at gracetothehearers.com where you'll also discover more about this ministry and find resources to enhance your study of God's Word. If, like many, social media is part of your everyday life, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We also have a YouTube channel where you'll find many videos of past messages from Pastor Eric's verse-by-verse study of the Bible. Find all this and more at our website, gracetothehearers.com. With that, our time has come to a close today. Pastor Eric will return soon with his continuing verse-by-verse study in the book of John right here on Grace to the Hearers.